Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace. Sit back, relax, and listen in. I just want to take a moment right now just to pray before we begin. Is that all right? Amen. So, Father God, we just thank you right now for your presence. We thank you right now for your power, Lord God. We thank you that even as we sang this morning, we can search for you and we can find you. We seek for you with all our heart, Lord God. And we seek you out even now, Lord God, that as the word goes forth, Lord God, Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that, that I would decrease and that you would increase, Lord God that your word would come forth in power. It would do what it was sent to do, Lord God. Pierce and divide in between the, the soul and the spirit, Lord God, and show the intents of our very hearts that we may be transformed, that we may be cleansed, that we may be renewed, Lord God, and we may be given instruction as to what to do, Lord God, in this new year to come. And Lord God, we just pray above all everything, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, thank God, it's, it's a great opportunity, um, like I said, to be with you. And um, for this year, we, we pastor kind of started a new series. And it's called, this new series that we're starting is called A Fresh Start. And so pastor kind of started off last week talking about what is a fresh start and what does it involve and, and, you know, what are the different things that we're looking to have a fresh start in and a fresh start in a relationship with Christ and a fresh start, you know, and focus in him and commitment and these different things that we're talking about in terms of having a fresh start. So throughout this whole month, we're, um, we're going to be actually going through different areas of discussing where do we want to have a fresh start in and how can we have a fresh start in. And so my task before you today is to talk to you about a fresh start in our spiritual journey, a fresh start in our spiritual journey. So, so um, and I always, um, I always like talking about these kind of these kind of things. First of all, because I'm, number one, I'm, I'm over here. I'm the past. For those of you who don't know, I'm the pastor of spiritual development here. Big, big, nice title, right? <laughs> but, but in essence, it means I'm in charge of the Christian education department, and, I, and I'm in charge of you know um, membership classes and different things. So a lot of what I, I do with, a lot of what I try to do with here at the Gathering Church has to do with you know development of us spiritually. So um, and. I also love it because one of the things that um, that I love about my life in Christ was when I when I got saved, I did not get saved in the church. I, I actually got saved at school. That's that's my testimony. I won't get the whole story, but I became a Christian at school. It was someone in my who started a Christian club in my school in high school, and um, she was in the choir, and you know she just kind of shared about the Christian club. I got interested and. Long story short, she asked me about committing my life to Christ, and I gave my life to Christ right there. And from that moment on, my life was my life was changed. But again, I I, I did not get saved in the church. And while my family was you know involved, I've got exposure at times to different denominations. My family kind of grew up Catholic, but my grandmother was also grew up at Pentecostal. So sometimes I'll be in the Catholic church, sometimes I'll be in the Pentecostal church. And then sometimes we used to go around to Lutheran church, and we went to a Baptist church at one time. We checked out, you know, different churches. So I was like, I had the multi-denominational background even before I got involved in ministry. It was just, you know, I had been to different churches. But Christ wasn't a, a real reality for me. For me, at, at, my, at that time, I was just going to the church because, you know, grandma was taking me, mommy was taking me. 
it didn't become a real thing for me until I, until I actually gave my life to Christ. And I said, you know, I had to seek God for myself. So for months, I, I did not know about, you know, um, not really know too much of anything about, you know, what do I got to do and how do I got to seek God. So, um, so the, Christian, the Christian club was really my church for, for a good couple of months. And, and all, all I could do was just, you know, when I, all I could do was just go into the scriptures and I went and would go into the scriptures. And be like, I have no idea what I'm reading. I have no idea what this, all this stuff is going on. But I'm just reading, and it's just, I'm just needs to make sense. And then it wasn't until about six months later that I finally started attending. Um, finally found a church that I really felt like, okay, this is where God wanted me. And it was there, it was there, and as well as being involved with the Christian club and the ministry with it, that I began to learn what it what it meant to really follow God, um, and how is it to really follow God? Who was this God? And so, and, and I spent the, probably the next year or two or even more just like engulfing myself in scripture because for me, this is really foreign. I mean, you have people who grew up in church, church is normal, you know, it's normal life. And so you just kind of know what to do. You know how to say the, when to say the hallelujahs, when to not say the hallelujahs, when to say the praise of the Lord, when to not say the praise of the Lord. But for me, it was just really kind of foreign and Jesus was just really new and, and and I was really loving him because he did something in my life that was just so amazing, but I just didn't understand it all. So I really had to spend time and just kind of dig and, and get it together. I really, who is this? And what? I had to question this and question that. And throughout this, you know, this opportunity, God began to just change my life as we go from where I used to be, and long story short, to where I am now. And um, and I thank God for that transformation. I thank God for that that opportunity of just being able to take that journey um, and to allow God to be tra- transformed. And that's the opportunity that I have now to be able to see others become transformed and change as we all continue to see God and get into that word and get into prayer and, and to do the different things to be transformed. So I want to talk about here in 2012, it's a new year, you know, thank God for um, Sister Morolo just kind of sharing, you know, 2011 was difficult, but now in 2012, I'm not where I used to be. And I thank God that we, we can kind of say, you know, we've gone through, we can all say we've gone through 2011 and 2012, we're not where we used to be. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. We're not where we used to be. And so now, because we're not where we used to be, we need to do things dif- things differently here in 2000, 2012. So what I want to put up before you today is that what I want to talk to you about is a fresh start in our spiritual journey, remaining in Christ. And you can pull, start pulling up the PowerPoint for me. Thank you very much. So I'm going to do a PowerPoint today so you guys can take notes and just kind of follow along with me as I share with you a fresh start in our spiritual journey, remaining in Christ. So if you have your scriptures, you can turn to John chapter 15, um, verses 1 through 17. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. You have it. You can say amen. And I put it on the PowerPoint so those of you who may not have their Bible, don't worry, I got you covered. <laughs> amen. And it reads as such John 15, verses 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that I will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself and must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Next one. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man in this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Amen? Now, I love this scripture. Um, what's important about here as we, as we go through this scripture, let me just give a little background as we as we continue on, this is this is um, the book of John, and John chapter 15. John was just one of the disciples, and was, John is known as the disciple um, that was really loved by God. He was really close. He was one of the three that was close, and um, and he's also called the beloved. And this is um, John here, and this is during the time of Jesus. He's actually getting ready to be crucified. So this is our uh, this is a whole part of a long discourse where God is just really giving his last final words to his disciples. He's preparing them as he's about getting ready to give his life. So, you know, he's giving them last instructions. He's giving them last comforts. Right before that, he kind of starts talking about the, the Holy Spirit and, and just encouraging that, that they're not going to be left alone, that the Comforter will be with them. Um, and so, you know, not to be discouraged in that. And then he, now he goes into um, the next point. And there are three terms that I, I just want to point out um, that are very important as he goes through this scripture. I can't, we don't have enough time to sit here and go through every key. There's probably other key words in here or other words, things that we can look at as well. But um, for the sake of time, there are three key terms that I want to just kind of talk with you about. And the first one here is remain. Now some of you guys, if you use older versions, you hear the word abide. Abide. But remain Remain is actually uh, um, close to abide. And actually, I, I like this version here that used the word remain because remain, actually, when you look into it in Greek, you hear these different meanings which you have right in front of you. Remain, to remain, remain, the word in Greek, it was used in reference to a place sometimes or to surge and to tarry, not to depart. 
um, remain also needs to continue to be present, to be held, to be kept continually. This is in reference to time, to continue to be, to not to perish, to last and to endure. Sometimes the meaning is used, the word is used of persons to survive and to live. It's also in reference to a state or condition, to remain as one, not to become another or different, to wait for or to await for one or to await one. So what's fascinating here is that one of the key words here God uses is remain. Now, if you look at John, one of the things you know is that John was one of the Gospels that was written later on. It wasn't, it, it's, part, it's not part of the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke, and part of the reason is also not only because of just its structure or because of who wrote it, or, it's also because of time is written later on. And so at this time, a lot, this time there was persecution taking place already. Um, Rome was being threatened and, and Christianity was being threatened. So when, so when we're talking about um, um, John here saying, I need you to, remain, as you remain in me, Jesus saying, as you abide in me, as, as you remain in me, it becomes important because they were going through. And you help me know when you go through, sometimes it's just hard to remain. And I get an amen. When it's hard, when it's difficult, when trouble is going on, and, and you know, I mean, you, I mean, sometimes it's, hard to pray. Sometimes it's hard to pass. Sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes it's just hard to even see what God is doing, to even see that God is there in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of all that when it goes crazy. Um, one, of the things that, that, one of the things that happens when tragedy struck, and especially in 9-11, one of the biggest questions was, was, was God there? Also, when trouble comes and heartache and different things, we lose sight of who God is. But John is here saying, listen, we mean Listen, be still. Listen, you, you need to remain. So the so first key word here that we have is remain. The next one that we look at, the next word that we have here is divine. Divine. And he starts it off very right away. He says, I am divine, and you are the, vat, the branches. Now, the type of vine particularly used here was, was, was a grapevine. So it was a vine that, that, that would bring out the grapes, and that's the kind of vine that he's talking about. And obviously, this, 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 um, this type of vine is obviously known, very well known for Jews and for Palestinians. Again, this is an agricultural culture, so it's not like here that we're industrial. You know nothing about a grapevine unless you don't, you don't see it. You can't go around the corner and find it. We can see it in TV, but that's about as close as we're going to get. You know, but in this culture, they knew about it very well. And in scripture, it's actually, actually vines were used a lot. You see it in Genesis. You see it in Exodus when, when you see the, people, the spies come back and they brought the grapes. That actually came from a grape vine. So, you, so it's something that was used. And it was used a lot even in Isaiah and Jeremiah, even Hosea at times. And it was used to represent Israel. So, so Israel would be, be referred to as a vine. But now Jesus brings a different twist to what they would normally know. And he says, I am the vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And then he calls the father as, as the vineyardman, or the husbandman, or the, the one who takes care of the vineyard. So he, so he puts a new twist and a new understanding. And, and the reason why he puts this new understanding, because what he's literally saying is, I am the source. I am the life. I am what you need. I'm the vine, you are the branches. So as same as a, 
a, a branch cannot live apart from the vine the same way we can't live apart from Christ. And so that's, again, going back to remain and abide the vine. In order for us to live, in order for us to survive, we have to remain in the vine. A branch, that's, and so here it is. They, they can understand, and here it is. We need to understand that God is calling us to remain and to abide. And the last key term here is fruit. It's fruit. fruit. So, you know, when I'm the vine, you, you are, the, are the branches. And the idea of branches here is that what's the purpose of the branch? is to bear fruit. Now, the branch can, uh, fruit can be interpreted in two ways. Because people ask, well, what's the fruit? And there are some scholars who sit there and say, well, fruit gives itself. Gives, you know, uh, in terms of fruitfulness of ministry. So as you see people come to Christ, as you see lives change around you, that fruitfulness, that, so the idea is that souls will come out. So if you abide in Christ, souls and fruitfulness will come forth. But then the other idea is holy living. Lives that are transformed by the very image of Christ. We have the fruit of the Spirit. So what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. All of that deals with the fruit of the Spirit. And so, so we have souls and we have fruit of spirit. So some people say, well, is it this? Is it that? Well, what I say is it's both. It's really both. As you remain in Christ, it means as, as you remain in Christ, as, you, as the word says there, as you stand by him, as you stick with him, continue, as you walk with him, continue, as you seek, as you don't stop in what it means to remain, and you, as a branch, then you bear the fruit of a holy life. You bear the fruit where you're transformed and changed. You're not what you used to be. You be changed and transformed. And when you're changed and transformed, others see the change and transform. And they want to know what changes and transforms you. And as a result, you can become fruitful as well. You become a witness. You become a light. You become that way. You become that epistle, that letter that people can be read, that people can see as you remain and you abide. So as we abide in Christ, we are transformed, and then we can therefore transform others. Can I get an amen? So, so as it says here, as we remain in the source of life, the divine, we bear the fruit of a changed life and influence others to be changed as well. In 2012, a fresh start means that we remain in the vine to experience more fruit. And once we bear fruit, our joy becomes complete. Then our joy becomes complete. You know, um, as I was looking at this, there was, one of, there was a comment that was very um, interesting and uh, very shocking. It was one of the, com- com- one of the commentaries from a, um, from a commentary on scripture, the InterVarsity. And one of the things they were saying was, you know, when people think about following God or thinking about remaining in Christ, you know, some, some people end up thinking about that it's just... Um, com- it's just a whole lot of commands, a whole lot of you got to do this, and you got to do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, don't do this, don't go here, don't go here, your shirt, shirt can only be so light, or your pants can only, you can only wear pants, or, or whatever, or you know, you, you can't party, you can't do, you know, we, that's where the mind goes, what you can't do, <laughs> more so than you what you can do, and then, you know, and then, you know, sometimes you can think about, oh, it's work, oh, we, oh, we got to go to church, oh, we, we got to sing, oh, we got to do this and oh we got to do that and so it becomes 
almost a sense of drudgery. It's just, a, it's just work. It's just, I just got to do. This is what I got to do. It's just, I'm doing my duty, and so on and so forth. But Jesus brings something different. He says, um, as you abide in me, or as you abide in my love, um, as you abide in my love, my joy will be complete. And then he goes, and your joy will be complete. So it gets you to know that we have joy. So what the commentary said is that, you know, we have joy in following God. We have joy. There is something that happens that as we remain in Christ, as we follow him, our lives are changed. We're transformed. So what we think, we're not thinking anymore. What we think, we're not thinking anymore. So what, would give us, what used to give us joy before doesn't give us that much joy anymore because we remain in Christ. So we experience a new joy. We got a new high. Can I get an amen? We got a new dance partner that we can dance with. We drop, like Pastor would say, we drop it like, like it's hot for somebody else now. You know, <laughs> we're, we're doing something new. It's a new dance. It's a new day. So that was old. It's just, it's just we don't want it no more. There are certain things that, I, and, and it's because, and it's only, I can only say it's because of some things that I used to be addicted to. Forget even, forget even just, I used to like to do, I was addicted to it. You know, it had a hold on me and I just couldn't let it go. It's, it doesn't bother me as much anymore. It's just like, are you kidding me? What was I doing? I must have been on crack or something. What was, did, I, did I not get the point? What was that? But that's because of Christ. Because I have remained in Christ. I have experienced his transformation. I, I have gotten connected to the vine. And that vine has transformed me. So now it's like, that don't give me joy no more. Oh, no. That just, that's not what gives me joy anymore. So, so, you know, I mean, I can tell you, I said, one of the things I used to struggle with was homosexuality. You know, that's what I used to struggle with. But now, now, now I'm in Christ. I'm married. And let me tell you, I love my wife. Can I get an amen? I'm I'll say amen on that one. I love my wife. And, and, and I sometimes go back and I say, what the hell? Well, I was like, you know, I was like, what, what in the world was I just wasted, done wasted over 30 years of my life? What was I thinking? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, shoot, I should got married sooner. <laughs> you know, I was like, I missed out. <laughs> This God's timing. But, uh, but the point is because that which I thought was giving me joy, it really wasn't giving me joy. But I thought it was. But now that God has transformed me, I have real joy. And joy that lasts. Because I have gotten to the vine and I have remained in the vine. And so as we remain in the vine, we get joy. And so what the writer really says is, what really challenged me was when he said, so if you do not have joy in following God, then the question is, what gives you joy? Because that which gives you joy is that which you're following. And that challenged my heart. Oh, God, am I getting joy in seeking after the person? God, am I getting joy in following you and remaining in you and, 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 and daily? You know, as the scripture says, deny myself, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, that doesn't sound joyful, but there should be a joy that comes out of it. And if I'm not, then what is giving me joy? And so, the, so what, we, what I want to share with you is just four things that I want to challenge you to as you remain in Christ so that we can have joy and that our joy can be complete. Because I think that the problem is that we're not having joy, or we're not having joy to food because we're not remaining, or the challenge is we're 
we're remaining the same way we've always been remaining. And we're not do, going deeper into what God is calling. We're not really remaining. Or we're doing the same thing that we think we're remaining, but we're not really remaining in the way that God is calling. And so we still don't experience the joy. So in 2012, I want you to experience joy. Can I get an amen? I want you to experience the joy that will make you complete. But it only comes if you remain in the vine. So the first thing, if you're going to remain in the vine, you have to remain in his work. It says here in verses 3 to 4, it says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Now, like I said, you know what was interesting? I told you my story. I said, when I, when I came to Christ, I, like I said, I wasn't at church. So there wasn't nobody who sat there and told me, you mean, you know, this is how you kind of develop yourself in Christ. But one of the first things I, I did was, I, I, you know, my family just always had a Bible. They never used it. You know, because they, <laughs> they, they, they were not, you know, believers like, they were not true followers, but, they, but you know, it was cultural. I come from a Spanish background, Puerto Rican background, so... Part of our culture is you have a Bible in your house and you open it to Psalms 91 and you just read it there. That's just part of our culture. I, you, I could go to almost any Puerto Rican house, some Spanish house, from at least back from, from back in my generation, and you will find a Bible somewhere and it'll be open. I bet you'll be open to Psalms 91. <laughs> Not that they actually, I don't even know if they ever really read the Psalms 91 or they knew it, but it's just, that's just what it was. It was just why, like the thing you would do was because good luck charm or something. I don't, but it's just what they would do. So, so when I became a Christian, you know, I was like, okay, I, I, well, I already had a Bible because the Bible was this. So I took that Bible. I said, I'm just going to start reading from Genesis and Exodus and just start figuring things. And, I, and let me tell you, at first it was hard because I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm reading or, or some of the stories are like real gruesome. I mean, you start reading Revelation and it's like, oh my God, it's like, you know, some kind of something you see in the movies and just makes no sense. That's how it was to me in the beginning. But, you know, and then, but even as I began to read, there were certain things that were still stuck out. And what I didn't realize was as I was just reading, and reading, even though it didn't make sense to me at the beginning, God was already working. God was already doing his work in me, even as I was just kind of encountering the scripture. And then as I did go into church, and I did get some well, teaching and training as, as, as studying the word and, 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 you know, how do you study the word? And, you know, just kind of tell me, you know, you know, start with the book of John. They always tell me, come and start with the book of John because John really does kind of talk about who Christ is, the Son of God, what does it mean that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, and then that he is the word, and, you know, God made flesh and, you know, those different things. So it's like, go start there. And as I started there, they're like, just read a chapter. I don't want too much father, you know, to take certain verses if you can, and just look at them, you know, all these different things, take, take moment, ask questions, jot down certain words that kind of make sense or stand out to you, and, and then try to research the words, get it with a concordance, so you can kind of connect scriptures, and you can also kind of see, like, in the original language what it meant, and as I began to do all those different things, God began to transform me. And what does the word do? And it says that and, and John, Ephesians 5, which is the word of God cleanses us. And here in Ephesians chapter 5, you have God talking talk about the marriage, talking talk about the marriage and the cleaning it with the church. 
the same. He cleanses us and washes us by the water of his word. The word of God cleanses us. The word of God cleanses us. As we study, as we look at it, and we allow it to speak to our heart, the word of God cleanses us. And then the word of God sanctifies us. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy word, for thy word is truth. So the word sets us apart and allows God to cleanse us. And then the word of God guides us. Oh, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalms 119, 105. It leads us, it guides us, it transforms us. And, and, and it really does the work. But I always say this, um, and this, this kind of, I believe it was Bonhoeffer who kind of, kind of said this, and I can't quote him directly, but I'm going to paraphrase what he was saying. And he said that the Word of God is powerful, but at the same time it's weak. It's powerful in that it can change you. It's powerful in that it can transform you. It can cleanse you. But it's weak in that it will not do it unless you work. You cannot, you cannot, as, you know, I think, I think I saw something on YouTube somewhere, or somebody was talking about, you know, you can't, there was, there was a whole story that somebody put on, I think on Facebook, and they were saying how somebody decided one day to just open up scripture and say, Lord, I want to seek a word for you, and it started to turn, and the one scripture came out and said, um, go and get your affairs in order for tomorrow you will die. So he was like, oh God, that can't be right. Let me try to find another, another scripture, he says. And he finds and goes and look around and says another scripture. And he says, you better go do what you've got to do quickly. And so he says, oh no, this will make no sense. And so then finally he goes, looks around and, and switches around again. And, and, to, and finally he goes to the last verse and he says, to say, today is the day that, that is all requested of you. And so he just gets up and it turns it up and gives it up because he came out and said, oh God, it's over. Don't do that. Do not sit there and look at it as someone, he sat there no matter what he did, it looked like him saying he was going to die. I said, well, that's kind of silly. Just kind of sitting there. But you know, some people, some, I have heard people who do that. They'll sit there and they'll just go, I'm going to go just open the scripture and this is the verse and I'm going to read the verse and that's it. And that's it. That's going to be my verse. Do not do lotto with scripture. <laughs> you know, do not lose that over scripture. It just doesn't work. You have to sit there and look at his scripture in its context. Obviously, God was not trying to tell him he was going to die. He wasn't going to die. He didn't die. But, but, it, but at the same time, you know, when we, when we deal with scripture, sometimes we deal with it lightly. Or we don't take it seriously. Or we don't really study to show ourselves approved. We'll go, we'll go, to, our, we'll go to school, we'll go to so our poem, we'll get our degree, and we'll work our degree, but when it comes to scripture, sometimes we can get lost. You know, I can sit here and start singing songs to you, and you'll know what song I'm singing, but if I start quoting the scripture, then I gotta look, we gotta look. Because it's, because it's, because we don't always sit there and take scripture seriously. But it's the scripture that changes us. It's the scripture that transforms us. It's the scripture that we lose. It's the scripture that is the light and the light for our path. So the challenge for us is to, we need to grow deeper. If we're going to remain, we need to remain in the word. And I dare say remain in the word like never before. Start finding ways where you can study scripture. I, what I love about technology today is that we have access to resources that even back 10, 20 years ago when I was a Christian, we didn't, we didn't have. You know, I can go now, I can get so many concordances online. I've got to pay a dime. 
That's where I get my sermons from. I can get it online. Because I could go to a concordance and say, okay, what does this mean here? I can go to an encyclopedia and say, what does this mean? A Bible dictionary, what is Alice? And that will not be a dime. Free. Free resources, y'all. Crosswalk.com. Bible Gateway. I'll give it to you. You better write it down. Bible Gateway. Crosswalk.com. You know, there's, and there's more that you can get where you can just get resources. Atlases and dictionaries. You can get the Strong's Concordances online, free of charge. Don't even have to buy it. Back in the day, we had to buy it. I paid some good money for that, like 80 beans to get that book. <laughs> Don't got to do that anymore. We have to study to show ourselves a truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And there's so many different ways to study the scripture. Studying it by verse, studying it by chapter, studying it by person, studying it. I mean, I can't stay here and, because I can stay here all day and just talk about how to study scripture. But, but the point is we have to study scripture so that we can be transformed. As a matter of fact, one of the things we're going to be doing in 2012 as a church is we're going to be doing Bible study. Because as a church, we need to, together, we need to study scripture. Together, we need to seek God and his word. And, and you know, you know, it says in Acts, you know, they reason together that, they reason together. Come, let us reason together. They reason, they search the scriptures. Let's search the scriptures together so that, we, so that we can rightly divide the word of truth and be transformed by his word. So the challenge is to remain in his word. Amen? Next. Remain in his presence. Remain in me as, also, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself and must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, I love how it says here. It says, remain in me, and then he says, as also I remain in you. I think sometimes we forget that. I don't know. We forget God is with us. He's not only just with us, he's in us. That's what he said. Remain in me as I also remain in you. We are the temple of God. And God dwells with us. His spirit dwells within us. He is with us. He is in us, and then he works through us. And that's, that's amazing. He causes us, to, but we need to remain in him so that we can bear forth fruit. Now, what I, what I find is fascinating is, is that we can be a branch. This is something that he points out. We can be a branch but not remain in the vine. You can look like a branch, seem like a branch, but when it comes time to bear fruit, because the branch is not really in the vine, no fruit comes out. And that's the danger of us as believers. We can, we can look like we're part of the branch. Seem like we're in the branch. We can sound like we're in the branch. Like I said, I, 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 there was a time where, I, as I said, I was a kid. and um, I didn't give my life really to Christ since 17, but as a kid I was going to church. But I knew after a while, like certain churches, I knew how to make, I used to be able to fake like I was doing this thing. I was doing the hallelujah, praise you Lord. I went to a Scottish Pentecostal church, and let me tell you, all you had to do was know how to jump, literally just jump, shout, and dance, say hallelujah, hallelujah, alaba Dios, Santa Cristo, whatever you needed to do, <laughs> you do it at the right time, and they think you deep. And they thought I was deep. Man, I was in the church doing stuff. 
Back in the corner, when there, somebody was been preaching, we go to the corner, we start doing stuff. So I know what it is to fake it. And so, and so, so when, so when I sometimes hear things about about people, oh, they're in the choir and they're doing, I, I said, of course, because it's easy. It's easy to fake it. You can look like a branch, but unless you're remaining in the vine, unless you're connected to the vine, you're not going to bear the fruit. You can look like a branch all you want, but when it comes to fruit, that's a different story. Because if I look for fruit, if I look for a holy life, if I look for love and peace and joy and gentleness and kindness, goodness and self-control, and for souls and lives to be transformed, no, I don't. You can't, you can't fake that. I'm sorry. You can't, you can't only go, but so far, you can't, you can't fake fruit. Not this fruit. Orange cannot make an apple. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, you don't put a, as, as, as a, one pastor said, you can't, put a, you can't put a hot dog in an oven and expect a cake. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> it doesn't work. So we got to remain in his presence. This means that remaining in a constant realization of who he is, his work in our lives, and that remain in constant communication with him, involving prayer and worship. Now what I'm talking about is not what we have in this, not just what we have in this moment, and this moment is important. It's not just what we might have during the week, and we're going to be looking to this year, this year, one of these we're going to be looking to do, actually we're going to start this Thursday, we're going to be having prayer this week, so this Thursday at the chapel, if you don't know it, you know it now, this Thursday at the chapel, we're going to be having prayer, gathering together for prayer for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be praying, and, and, and during different times of the year, we're going to be praying as a church, but even beyond just those moments, it is a constant realization of who God is in our lives, the fact that he is real, the fact that he is there, the fact that he is in our midst, the fact that we are having a relationship with him, and that we are praying continually. That's why the Bible says in First Thessalonians 5, 15, pray without ceasing. That's why it says in, in John 4, 23 to 24, God is seeking such who would worship him in spirit and in truth. It's as we seek him continually, we're looking for him. We're, we're, we're looking for him. We're looking out for him. We want him. We realize he is with us on a continual basis. I'm in constant communication with him. Everything I do, everything I am, all I am about is for him. So whether I'm, whether I'm here right now in the service, or I'm at school just taking a test, or I'm at work working at my desk, or I'm at home doing the dishes, whatever, or I'm with my children just putting them to bed, whatever the situation may be, I'm realized I'm in worship. God is there. God is with me. He is in the midst. And I can worship him. That is praying without ceasing. Because I used to always say, how, how do you, how do you, you can't really, you know, you always say, Father God, you know, how would you be the name every single hour so that you can pray without ceasing? No. That's kind of weird. <laughs> but you can be in a constant realization that he is there. That he is in the midst of us. So I think that in 2012, the challenge is going to be, how can we realize more that God is with us? How can we connect with God more on a regular basis? One of the things I'm, I'm, I'm learning to do right now is called daily office. I just take a few minutes a day, between the day, and just read the scripture and pray. Because the idea is that if I take that time, then I, 
you know, if I just stop and take that time, then I, God is in my mind. And as I go throughout the day, I can stop again. Because, you know, as we go throughout the day, sometimes things will come and, next thing you know, we're just, we're just doing. We're just moving. We're just doing. We're just living. But if we can take some time and just say, oh, God, you're, you're with me. God, you're in the, in the presence. God, what do you have to say to me right now? God, as, as I sit here and you do this, what, 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 are you, what are you saying to me? What do you do? God, lead me. Help me. Help me as I'm dealing with this patient. Help me <laughs> as I'm dealing with this client. Help me as I'm dealing with this professor. Help me, you know. Whatever the case may be, God is with you. So let's challenge ourselves to continually seek after him. Not just a devotional time. Although the devotional time is good. But devotional time is the foundation. Now you need to have your foundation. But it's still just the foundation. It's continuously seeking after him. Remain in his presence. Next. Remain in obedience. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. Simple point that obedience is a key component to remaining in Christ. 1 Samuel 15, 2 says, Obedience is better than sacrifice. James 2, 17 says, faith without work is dead. 1 John 2, 2 and 4 says, you cannot love God and not obey his commands. Point blank. And then grace is not an excuse to continue to sin. And I think that's the issue that we have. And, and I, I just, I, to me, I just, I get upset, but now at the same time I got to look at myself and just be like, be careful because sometimes I can be there myself. But I get upset when I see people who just, and I, and I was at a prayer meeting and pastor was sharing this, and I said, man, I, I feel you. You get upset when you just see people who just know better. Not that, that I, I, I'm, not looking at, I, I, I'm not looking at the unbeliever who doesn't know better. But when you have believers who profess that they're Christ, they're, they're on the choir, they're involved in ministry, some of them are teachers, some of them are even preachers, some of them are even pastors. And yet, they do some of the most ridiculous things. Like you just, you just know better. You just, you just know better. He, I mean, this this preacher was this pastor talking about. I can't understand how how Christians curse. I don't understand. That. And that's cursing is one, but I have seen even so much more. And we see it on TV. People get caught in adultery. People get caught in fornication. People get caught stealing. But they 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 they're a branch. Are they remaining in his love? Because if you were, if you remain in his love, then you would be following him. Like if you look at First John chapter three, I mean, John goes as far as to say, if 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 you are if you are abiding in Christ, then you should not be continuing to sin. If you are continuing to sin, then you are not abiding. Now, now don't get afraid. That doesn't mean that. You, you know, don't, don't get me crazy. That doesn't mean that if you do something wrong, that means you're totally out of it. <laughs> don't know. But if you continue, there's something wrong. Like I said, there were some things I was addicted to. I was addicted to pornography. I'll talk with that in February. But I was addicted to pornography. And I realized at some point, there is something seriously wrong. Because I cannot say that I love God and be doing 
thank God I can say I'm delivered for free and I ain't going back in Jesus' name. But that's because I decided I need to remain in the box. And I had to follow And so what God is calling us to do is to follow him. Follow his word. Whatever his word is saying to do, we need to do it. If you're in sin, you can get out. Matter of fact, you, you are already free to get out. The truth has set you free. He said, we are made, made clean by his word. Interesting, no. Judas wasn't at that meeting. So when he said they were clean, they were all literally clean. Because not even Judas was there. He knew what he was saying. They were clean. They were hid. All of them were hid. And let me tell you, you're here. You're hid. You are made clean. You are, you are, you are set free by the word. So now be free. Don't go back to sin. Shall we continue to sin? Paul says, God forbid. If I must, if we are a slave to anything, let us be a slave to righteousness. That's what we are. We are, I must follow him. I can't go there anymore. I can't do that anymore. That is not my master. Let us follow him. And whatever he's calling you to do today, follow him. Whatever he's telling you today, follow him. This is not a joke. Yes, he is our friend. Yes, he loves us. But we need to obey him. If you want to remain in his love, you obey him. Because that's where joy is complete. And like I said, if you have a problem with obeying him, then you need to ask what's your joy. Because obviously it's not him. It's not. I'm sorry if I so <laughs> I'm like, ooh, I catch myself. <laughs> but, and I'm saying this to me too. Don't don't get it wrong. I'm the first partaker of this. So, you know, I'm saying it to myself as well. If, if I'm going to follow, if I'm saying I'm His and I'm I'm a branch and I'm going to remain in His, then I have to follow Him. So that so in 2012, there's certain things that I just can't do that I used to do. And there's certain things that I need to do now that I did not do before. Point blank. Finally, last point, remain in fellowship. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. We are not created in a vacuum. We are not created in a void. We are not created in isolation. We need each other. So we need to remain in fellowship. And that's one of the things that even for next year I would declare in 2012 that at the Gathering Church we're seeking a ways that we can connect together. So we have that pancake breakfast, not just as an opportunity to, to evangelize, but an opportunity for us to connect. But, and we'll have other events. We'll have City Serve Again as an opportunity for us to connect, to labor together and connect. And when, that's why we had the connection group last year. It was an opportunity for us to get to know each other and connect because we, are not, we need we need to each other. It, I mean, Luke 10, 22 says this. What are the greatest commandments? To love your God with all your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. We are commanded. It is a requirement. As John says, how can we say we love God and not love God? It doesn't make sense. He himself is love and, and, and shows us so much love and calls us to love, then we trust the love. 
We have to connect. We have to pray for each other. We have to encourage each other. We have to learn together. So that's what the Bible says to me for and different other things that will be going on in the week. Sunday is good and great. And, we, and, and I encourage you, spend some time even afterwards talking to each other, getting to each other. If you don't got nobody's phone number, get somebody's phone number. And, you know, start getting connected together throughout the week. But Sunday is not enough. We have to connect. We have to go beyond just sitting in the service and going home. We have to fellowship together. And in 2012, again, as a pastor, we're seeking to find ways. So if you have ideas for Bible studies, if you have ideas for prayer groups, if you have ideas for ways to connect, please by all means let me know. I don't have, have the only answer. So let me know. I am more than willing to make answer. But the idea is we need to connect in 2012. So discover new and deeper ways you can connect with your brothers and sisters. Look for ways to connect, to pray together, to walk together, hold each other accountable, help each other grow. I thank God for my pastor, but not because he's my pastor, he's been my accountability partner. Even when I was struggling with one he was the one who was, who was keeping me accountable and helping me through it. Because I needed somebody. I could not do that by myself. And whatever it is you, you're going through, struggling with, even if you're not going through stuff, just to have somebody with you. And to help you so that you can stay strong. Because when one is weak, Finally, for the challenge for 2012, next one. My challenge for 2012, like I said before, um, this is a comment that has um, been said by pastors so many times and has been said by other leaders so many times. I, don't, I wish I knew who said it first, but I don't. But insanity is doing the same thing but expecting so in 2012, we cannot afford to do the same thing but expect something different to happen in our lives. If we want to remain in Christ like never before, if we want to go deeper, if we want to see these things take place where in our journey we're going deeper in Him. We know who He is. We are truly in the vine. So we and we're bearing fruit. Because that's what we want. We want to bear fruit so our joy can be complete. That's, that's the goal. We want to go, here's the goal. That our joy may be complete. Remain in my love. And as I love you. And then his, he said, his joy, he will have joy over you. So it's good that he can rejoice over us. Can I get an amen? And then our joy will be complete. And that's, so that's the goal. And in order to do that, we have to remain. We have to remain in his word. We have to remain in his presence. We have to remain in obedience to him. We have to remain in fellowship with each other. So, so find ways, challenge you to think of ways even now. Maybe you can think of one at least <laughs> way that you can challenge yourself to remain in a new way in 2012. Let's do that. Can we get I Will Search? And that's how we want. I want to close with this song as our prayer. If you want to, if you're willing to pray with me, you want to go deeper in 2012. If you want to remain in the new way in 2012, then I, I want you to just not just sing this song with me, but pray. I will search for you. I will search for you, and I will find you with all.